You're listening to the Outside by Design podcast, made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Blurring the lines between work and play, whether your office is in a pickup truck at a trailhead or in a skyscraper, we're connecting you to others who think like you do. We're here today with Ben Weisner, who's visiting us from California. How's it going, Ben? Very good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, Ben, tell me what you do. I am a director of free ski and snowboarding for Mammoth Mountain, California. Uh, that is, I run a free ski program for kids who want to be uh, next level, go to the Olympics, and same with snowboarding. Um, I'm predominantly a snowboard halfpipe coach, working with elite athletes there, but running the program and coaching is kind of what I do. Cool. Yeah, and you've been there for a while, haven't you? Yeah, it'll be eight years now at Mammoth. Awesome. So basically just getting rad for eight years. Yeah, pretty much, you know. Well, even longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> getting rad since day one. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think it's been 18 years in the industry now of coaching mm-hmm. and teaching and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's been a lot of uh, getting rad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm from Australia, a little coastal town called Kalani Vale. Um, between Sydney and Newcastle on the East Coast. I grew up surfing, and to be honest, I wanted to be a pro surfer, and that's all I could think about all through school and everything like that. Um, Pursued that for a little bit. was kind of in the amateur ranks, doing pretty good. And then uh, my friend introduced me to snowboarding and totally ruined me (laughs) because you don't have to wait for the tides or the winds or everything to line up to get great snow or great parks or jumps or get your adrenaline kick so I got hooked on snowboarding started off as a lifty then was an instructor then a coach and then I was doing back-to-back seasons for about 10 years Um, Austria Canada America um, different parts of America and always back to one place in Australia Parish of Blue Um, yeah and then I was trying to get a job working with the Australian team while I was doing some talent identification with those guys but in order to be a coach for that program two of my really good friends would have to leave or be fired (laughs) so that wasn't going to happen so one of them got uh, told me about the coaching job or head coach position at Mammoth and I went for it and eight years later here I am awesome green card and a wife and a kid and now I'm a (laughs) Californian I guess Holy smokes. Yeah. Things get real quick, huh? Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I want to know how many bones you've broken over the years. Um, not including little ones in the fingers or whatever, the ones that you don't really go to the doctors for, but <laughs> um, I've broken my ankle, um, I've broken my hand off my wrist, oh. on my right hand, broke both bones there, um, and then just a lot of separated shoulders, so not that many bones, just maybe three or four bones. I did break this... My humerus, my left humerus, in a car accident with a kangaroo on the way back from the snowfields in Australia. Not many people in America can say that comment. No, yeah. so yeah. Usually pretty, it's a deer. Well, they're like deer, <laughs> they're the Australian version of deer. Just as dopey and like to jump in front of your car. So. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Ben, so you've been running the coaching program at Mammoth for a long time now and you know working with tons and tons of different kids a lot of really really talented ones and 
some real amazing athletes have come out of that program as well. What's it been like working with these kids that, you know, you've been coaching for two, three, four, five, six years, uh, watching them develop over that time frame, and, you know, go from just a little Grom Shredder to someone who's competing in these world-class events like Dew Tour and Olympic qualifiers and X Games and things like that. It's really good. It's great watching kids grow up and develop um, from six-year-olds all the way up to, you know, I've got grown men now who are, you know, 20 years old who I coach when they were 10, you know. So watching them grow up is really cool. Watching them get better at snowboarding or whatever it is, the sport that they choose is really rewarding. You get a big smile on your face when they do something cool they've never done before or they push their limits that little bit further and do something scary. Um, but I think the best part of it is like watching them grow up as like people. So like, you know, my goal is to make them great snowboarders and skiers, but also at the same time, I want them to be great kids with good manners and know how to look after themselves when they're on the road and do all that kind of stuff. That stuff's really cool. Like, you know, I have a little kid, Judd, and he was six when he started with us. And he went through all the cute little, uh, I'm a little cute little kid thing. And now he's a teenage, you know, starting to become a bit of a teenage brat in some ways. But then, you know, you see him with adults and things like that. And he's very respectful. And, you know, you feel like you're a part of that as well. Like, they're all kind of like my kids. It's Mm -hmm. weird. Yeah, I have over the years, like, you know, 70, 80 kids that I've worked with. And they're all... I know. I feel like they're mine in some way, and when they get hurt, it hurts me, and you know that kind of stuff. So that kind of thing is is cool and crazy about it. Awesome. Yeah. Speaking of your kids, um, you have an almost one year old kid. How's has that changed uh, your outlook on life or your approach to work or anything like that since, uh, since newly entering fatherhood? Uh, take it a little bit easier now, for sure. Um, you don't want to get hurt and then not be able to contribute and, you know, look after the kid. hasn't really changed me or my wife too much where, you know, I'm just looking forward to when she's big enough I can put her on the snowmobile or throw her in the backpack and go take runs with her. And we took her up the hill on June, a super mellow place, a mellow day. And I think she was two months old in the little chess thing and she had goggles on and everything and loved it and her eyeballs are huge and we did one run and then she just passed out on the table in the lodge and slept for <laughs> six hours. So I know it's kind of cool. It hasn't really changed my, just I don't do as much crazy stuff anymore. So mm-hmm. I just try to keep it on the snow as much as possible. Yeah, I've, I mean, I don't have any kids, but I've stopped doing as much crazy stuff too. I just, I don't bounce as easily as I did when like six, seven years ago when you fall. Yeah, I don't heal anymore, and then yeah. <laughs> I don't heal as fast. And then you kind of get to a stage where I used to, all my older kids now, they used to always challenge me, like, well, the weather was bad or something like that, and they'd be complaining. So I'd just drop in and do a trick without saying anything, and they'd be like, oh, well, the old guy's doing it, so i got to do it. And and you're going to go prove yourself a little bit to them. But I've come to the stage now where i got nothing to prove. If you, if you don't want to listen to me, then... Don't listen to me. I don't really care anymore about mm-hmm. trying to prove it to the young ones who are coming through. It's like, I know, I've been there, done that. If you want to listen, you should listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I was recently following the the trip you took a few months ago where mm-hmm. you did a coast to coast motorcycle ride. Can you tell us a bit about that and how that came about? Um, yeah, it was a fundraising trip in the end. There was four of us sitting around a table at lunch um, to, and four guys that work with me on the program. And we were talking about doing a cross-country motorcycle trip. Well, it first started off as a moped trip. And one of the guys like, I always want to do it on a moped. And I was, actually, Dan, you got mentioned from you riding your bike across the country. Yeah. And I've always wanted to do it on a motorcycle. And um, we were fortunate enough to have a guy who lives in Vermont. Um, and we used to go stay with him for the U.S. Open. And he'd always try to sell me these vintage bikes that he's doing up. So I'm like, well, I have a bike guy. Let's fly out there, buy these bikes, and then we'll ride them back. Um, so we made a pact. Everyone put their hands in and made a pact. <laughs> and we were going to do it because we knew if we didn't, we wouldn't do it. So then uh, it all went along, and we bought it, picked our bikes and everything like that. But as we were doing it, I wanted to do a fundraiser or something for our community foundation. The Mammoth Mountain Community Foundation supports our kids, but... Um, one of my friend and I were getting talking and we're like, well, we have a, one of the guys who's going on the trip. His daughter has a a really rare form of cerebral palsy. They don't really know what it is, but they've, uh, diagnosed her as that so they can get insurance. And there's a lot of treatments that they want to try and everything's super expensive. And we said, well, why don't we turn it into that? So then it was more for Marlowe was born, more M-O-R number four, Marlo, M-A-R-L-O-E, dot org. If you want to check it out, make a donation. Um, yeah, I'll throw the link <laughs> in the show notes also. Yeah. <laughs> super plug, but uh, yeah, we decided we'll do the trip and make it a fundraiser so people could donate whatever they wanted to the cause or they could give us challenges as we rode across country. So we had to eat uh, 800 bugs between the seven of us. Um, yeah, we found a cricket guy, and then we had, like, in uh, Boston, we had to sing on a stage. We had to do uh, two-step dancing. Uh, one guy, like, we had to jump off into a river naked and all this other stuff. And one of our friends, Rob, uh, he would pay for every photo of the border crossings if we mooned at least three people mooned him or something it was kind of a weird (laughs) one but and then uh we were sticking stickers around and so we had all these challenges and we ended up raising a bunch of money and um already the marlo is doing awesome she's at uh getting to do these different alternative type uh camps and where she's learning to map movement patterns and stuff and so they're seeing some great success so it was well worth it and it was fun and raised money and it was a challenge because we were on vintage motorcycles and they were breaking down all the time and <laughs> blowing up and some of the guys had never ridden before so it was like a bit of a calamity at the start but by the end everyone was pretty good at riding did, did you guys watch easy rider to get jacked up for this ride i definitely tried to embody <laughs> easy rider as much as possible in a g-rated way of course right, right. you know oh, yeah naturally. <laughs> but uh no it was it was really fun yeah i would love to have been the easy rider style do you have like a, a really crazy story from that trip like something that just really sticks out in your mind oh there was a lot of crazy stories a lot of close calls like, especially when you're going across country yeah a lot of close calls with like i almost turned into a car missed the car then i don't know just 
when we went to this boot scoot bar, I guess that was the coolest one was, uh, we were dancing, had to dance a two step with all the girls and stuff like that. And so they, uh, let us do that. And then, uh, some guy just challenges $500 right there and then to jump up on stage and sing a song. And we didn't know any songs and we'd been in Graceland the day before <laughs> and sung, uh, what is it again? Uh, blue? No, not blue suede shoes. No, what's the other Jailhouse one? Jailhouse Rock. Uh, oh God, <laughs> it's called Elvis. Yeah, it was like Elvis, like a uh, hound dog. Nothing oh, but yeah. a hound dog. So we asked the band, they're like, we don't know it. And we're like, oh, well, do you think you can do it? And they're like, yeah, sure, let's try it. And we did it and everyone danced and it was like kind of cool. It was crazy just pulling it out of nowhere. So, Ben, I'm kind of curious then what was like the craziest thing that actually happened on this epic motorcycle trip? One of the crazy things was uh, we were trying to follow Route 66 and it kind of ran out and it was all bumpy road and we never wanted to ride on the interstate because everybody was not very good at riding. And so then next thing we were on the interstate in a massive rainstorm, trucks going by, bikes just wiggling and wobbling everywhere. That was the scariest scariest part of it for mm-hmm. sure um yeah and then falling asleep on the motorbike i never thought i could fall asleep on a motorbike <laughs> but i did it twice oh i woke up once coming like into a up. bend with two cars coming around Holy it just kind of went oh what and then why you go but yeah i never thought you could fall asleep on a motorbike but you can that's crazy yeah Oh, man. Well, yeah. I'm glad you weren't doing it on mopeds because you still might be out there. Yeah, I think so. It took us a month on a real motorbike, let alone a moped. <laughs> I think you'd be faster on your bike. <laughs> yeah. We'll do it again and we'll race. Yeah, <laughs> race it. We did see one guy who was uh, in the middle of nowhere on the way to Vegas, and he was on a little scooter, and he had an American flag as a cape, and like kind of... <laughs> crazy get up and like an evil can evil wannabe yeah and we were pulled over on the side because of course we had bike trouble again so then he like comes by and we wave at him we're hoping he'd stop but he didn't and then we pass him again later and he's like (laughs) (laughs) i think he was easy riding on the drug side of it yeah yeah that's fantastic um so having been having been involved in the snowboard industry for over a decade now um, what are there any you know big trends you've noticed changing over the years or real shifts in the industry and like how it used to be I mean it used to be super grassroots and underground and it's so polished and professional now and you know it's not totally not uncommon to see you know you go into the store and you see the Sean White stride gum and the yeah there's a lot of from when I was doing it, there's a lot less drinking and a lot less partying, that's for sure. But I think it's because the athletes are getting younger and younger all the time. Like Chloe, who I coach from young at six, like she started, like there's an age limit on when you can go into the bigger events, and that's 13. And before, to be a pro, you're in your like mid-20s, you know, but now there's pros, of course, from the Sean White Factor, that are starting much earlier and you know we had a kid almost qualified well qualified for the olympics but he was like the uh, reserve and he was only 17 at the time or 18 mm-hmm. and this age group the age limit's going down and the and the size of the tricks is going up and so right now like 
before you used to get like a 40 foot jump and someone would spin a 900 now it's like 60 to 80 feet jump um like the big jumps and spinning doubles and triples and all that stuff and we're kind of asking kids to do that at young teenage years like 13 years old like you got to do a double cork if you want to make it into the finals of this event so that i see the trend really is like the age group's going down definitely a lot more working out and things like that and eating better and actually taking it as a serious sport which is bringing the professionalism to it um contracts are still not i don't think they're getting bigger but there's still a lot of money out there so that's it's very competitive and you know i think the parent involvement too because you kind of did it before your parents would take you and everything like that but now they're heavily involved and coaching is becoming a huge industry mm-hmm. um there's a lot more programs out there now and a lot more people calling them coach themselves coaches and that's kind of getting a little bit more legitimized with training and certification and all that kind of stuff but yeah i think the age group going down like to have chloe win at x games gold at 14 was insane like how yeah. do you ever how do you ever imagine that there's an X Games medalist at 14? She won silver the year before at 13. Mm-hmm. And that blew me away, you know, and I was I was there. Like, I coached her. It was, how can this be when before you watched X Games and it was everyone in their 20s and even 30s, you know, Kelly mm-hmm. Clark, uh, female snowboarders seem to be going further and longer with older age. Kimi Fasani and Kelly Clark are two great examples of that. Women in their 30s of a still just hammering and throwing down and it's really awesome to see but um, the next generation coming through is just younger and younger every mm-hmm. year and it's crazy I think I saw a video of a 10 year old doing double corks the other day in Europe somewhere so mm-hmm. it's it's insane <laughs> well I think even you're seeing it with like just athlete like little kids in general you go up to big mountain and at the magic carpet there's like a two-year-old on a snowboard that's shredding uh-huh. better than i can yeah you know and it's it's like when my parents wouldn't let me go until i was like five because they didn't think i was old enough no and that's the thing too it's kind of like you so gotta much more look accessible yeah so much more accessible and the equipment's getting a lot better for young kids yeah. before you couldn't really get it you had to like cut a snowboard down right. or you had pack their bindings full of snow to fit the little feed in there and so now like you know companies like Burton are bringing out great kids stuff everyone's following that trend Mm -hmm. and making things smaller and more user friendly for the kids so they can actually do it but before when I started I used to recommend kids skied until they were six because the boots worked for them and they could understand it and then transfer but now everybody wants to well okay that's a blanket statement I retract that (laughs) a lot of people want their kid to be the next big thing and you know, start early and, you know, that's the thing too. It's a year-round deal now is if you're not um, doing the season here in America, training in Mount Hood on the glacier or in Canada, um, and then going to Australia or New Zealand or Chile uh, to snowboard and then even we're going to we're going to uh, Sasfe in a month. Uh, we'll be in Sasfe training half-pipe there, getting ready for the season with my next athletes that are coming through to go to the u.s teams and compete at the bigger level like if you're not on snow year round or at least mm-hmm. 10 months of the year you're falling behind and falling behind really fast so it's, a, yeah. it's crazy the amount of money that's been poured into it now and before like you said it was a grassroots thing 
people were into it. They did it because they loved it. And then they had these competitions just to see who was the king of the mountain. And now <laughs> the king of the mountain is now a king of the world with the World mm-hmm. Snowboard Tour and AFP and all that kind of stuff. It's like it's turning into quite a big industry. And um, parents and, and kids are pushing it really hard at a really young age. Yeah, how do you feel about that? You know, you had mentioned that earlier, like 13-year-old kid in an event has to throw a double just to make it into the finals. I mean, that's that's really only been that way for the last couple of years. And it feels like the level of consequence for some of these things has really escalated quickly, I think, as a, you know, just watching it. And, you know, is that a little bit scary in the direction it's going for the risk that these kids have to put them through? Yeah, it's funny. We were at a, I was at a USSA conference and we, I brought up that point. Um, like participation in the younger ages is good, but good participation in competition is sort of leveling out or not really increasing mm-hmm. in it. And I wonder that if that's because kids are like, well, I've got to do a triple cork if I want to be Sean White. Or uh, I've got to do a quad. The, the guy uh, did a quad on the snowboard just a couple mm-hmm. of months ago. Um, so the tricks are huge, and you wonder if the kids are like, well, that's un- in- unachievable for me. And then some parents are like, well, I don't want my kid doing that because, con- you know, people can get really hurt. Um, mm-hmm. Kevin Pierce example, you know. Mm-hmm. So everything's getting bigger, consequences are bigger. I am not comfortable with pushing my kids to do doubles. Um, we do a lot of airbag work and powder jumps and things like that before. I like to try them in the pipe or the park. Um, it's the, Now there's new training tools because the tricks are so big and you have to use them. Um, but it's still like a, you know, it's being asked to do superhuman things at a young age. Yeah. Like who would have thought like, upside down twice and spinning the whole time and then landing would become a normal trick you know mm-hmm. like people are now like oh yeah it's just a double like just a double it's insane like that's yeah. such a crazy trick but with our kids in our program we try to look after them from six years all the way through and not miss any steps so flat spinning is just as dangerous on a massive jump but we try to make sure that as they progress like well, you go back to Judd, you know, and Danny was a real little kid, um, super light, had the skills to hit the big jump, but just not the body weight and the speed. And if you come up short, then it's a real problem. Um, and injuries can be, like, huge. So we kept him on the small stuff until he got big enough, but he was ready to go. And most people were kind of a little bit like, Why, what are you guys doing? Why aren't you pushing him harder? And it's like, well... He's like my case study. I, like, what what impact does that have on a twelve year old's knees? And you know, he's had some mm-hmm. big slams, and you know, it's like, well, is he too little to take that kind of slam? You know, mm-hmm. like we had one kid knock himself out doing doubles, um, and you know, he just it's hard for him to come back mentally, and he's not really come back from it. You know, it's just it kind of ruined snowboarding for him, and you know, you mm-hmm. got to learn. You know, he really wanted to do it, and that's the thing. The kids really want to do it. So once you've ticked all the boxes, they've done it on the airbag, they've done it, and they, you feel confident, they feel mm-hmm. confident, the jump's right, you go, and then still some things can go wrong, and you just don't know what's going to happen in the end, whether they come back from that or whether, they, you know, the mental game, which is a lot of what we're exploring now with our program, is 
um, trying to work on that mental side of things and being able to come back from injury and then also the mindset of, of a kid of it's a long progression mm-hmm. you know I can still be a pro at 18 I still need to go to school I still need to do college I still need to do all that stuff um, you know people are homeschooling their kids so early and taking away that you know part of their life and that development of that personality and that kid of dealing with adversity and having the school bully and having to go with a teacher they didn't like and a lot of kids are missing that in this sport now because it's all homeschool and time on snow. I was going to ask that because I mean a lot of these kids are training so hard and does it seem like they're training all the time too like yeah it's no longer just a winter sport right no it's it's, you can be it's we're trying to be very wary of the burnout side of it and that's Mm -hmm. why I think we have a good balance with what we do. We don't really recommend homeschool until they get into high school. And even then at Mammoth, we have a program where they still actually go to school and interact with teachers and they train in the morning. Um, And they're on snow five days of the week. And then they have a full day off at school uh, and then a day to themselves. If they want to go snowboarding, they can. But Mm -hmm. you're trying to find that balance and they've got to go to prom and they've got to do all that other stuff as well right. so well, mm-hmm. growing up it's like a rite of passage to do all those things yeah. you know totally and we're seeing kids still be successful when doing that you know we had one kid take a year off the program and finish his high school out and it actually made him hungrier and he's riding as good and strong as he ever has and it doesn't hurt you know but with the way the industry's going and like I said before on snow all the time and all this kind of stuff it is a good formula and it does work, but it can work the other way too. It's just whether people can be patient enough or, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of, you know, let's see what you're like when you're 16 or 18 because mm-hmm. you could have a growth spurt. I've got one kid now who just grew into his body. It took him a couple of years and he's so strong now and knows how to use his huge big body, but that he didn't know how to use when he was 13 and 14 and now he can, and he's just hammering. But you could have gave up on him and said, no, you know what, you're good, but you're not going to be the next short and white because we're not mm-hmm. seeing the progression as much right now, you know. Yeah. But, you know, uh, that's the one thing, too, I see is parents like, well, I invested 20 grand for the last four years and you're now 13, and you have, if you haven't made it, you're not going to make it. And that's, like, such a silly attitude. Mm-hmm. and. You know, I love Sean White, he's a good guy, but he's, you know, when he came through, it was a different age, and there was different people, and it wasn't, you know, as competitive, the jumps weren't as big, half pipes weren't as big, so he could compete at that younger age and, and be very competitive, but uh, now, when it's a, an, a, a 10 or 11 or 12, and they weigh... 60 pounds at most dropping into a 22 foot half pipe physics tells you it's very hard for that little kid to go 10 feet 12 feet out there is those you know uh, exceptions to the rules but what I've seen is the bodies are a little bit different they're a heavier set kid and and they have absolutely no fear so Mm -hmm. you know it's there's a lot of factors but you know there's always the anomalies you know that come through, but in general, I don't think we should be holding that as the rule of thumb for every kid. They can be successful at 18. Yeah. If you give them some time. 
Yeah. So we're gonna let's do a lightning round of some quick questions okay. here. Sounds good. All right. Favorite guilty pleasure song. Guilty pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Guilty pleasure song. Like Dan's is Miley Cyrus. <laughs> So, so like, what would yours be? <laughs> uh, T Swift, shake it off. Or there you go. That's a good one. That's a really good one. <laughs> that might be my backup one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I only said that because we listened to it in the car on this road trip, and we're rocking out. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite beer. Favorite beer. Oh, Carlton Draft, without a doubt. Sorry, that's an Australian beer. Favorite American beer is uh, Shinerbuck. What's your biggest pet peeve? People being late. What's your favorite snowboard? Burton Custom Twin, two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they recreate it this year. Uh, what color are your snow pants? Black. <laughs> Always black. <laughs> What's your favorite article of clothing? Uh, board shorts. Any, any time of year. Uh, any time of year, uh, I have this sweet Vulcan puffy that I love right now. <laughs> <laughs> Flip-flops or tennis shoes? Flip-flops. Um, Powder or park. park? Powder. Park when I'm coaching. <laughs> Favorite food? Favorite Asian, food anything after... Asian, anything Asian. I could live off sushi or Thai food. Yeah. Favorite chairlift snack? Oh, uh, I don't really snack. Uh, jerky. All right, so in all your years of coaching, but tons of different athletes, probably hundreds of kids over all the years, um, what's been your most rewarding moment as a coach? Uh, or maybe there's That's multiples. a tough one. Yeah. That's a tough one. Well, I guess results-wise was pretty cool. Uh, watching Chloe get the silver and gold at X Games, that was pretty cool. And you said she was 14? Yeah, she was, yeah, 13 and 14. How old was she when you started coaching her? Uh, six, I think it was. We okay. did some, a little bit of time in Australia, and then mm-hmm. I think she joined the program at seven or eight. Mm-hmm. I'm really bad. I got asked all those questions in a vibe when they were doing all stuff for US Today and all that kind of stuff, and I'm... Uh, uh, ages. Uh, I don't. What year? Notebook. What year was that? I'm really crap with dates. Um, that, and then, I don't know. I just, I guess, my proudest moments is when the event's over, and the kid didn't win, or they did win, and they go and congratulate all their competitors, or high five them, or do all that stuff. That's my proudest mm-hmm. moments because it's like. You know, the kid tries so hard, and if they fail, like some kids cry and just bail and whatever, but when they can stick around and go and say congratulations to the winner or, hey, it was great hanging out with you, you did a sick trick or whatever, that's my proudest one. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's when I tear up because I know I've yeah. done a good job because they're good people. That's awesome. You're not just a snowboard coach, but like a life coach in general. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't so know important. what it is. The girls love to tell me their problems, and I'm like... No, 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 la, 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 I'm not qualified for this, la, 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 la. Well, as a girl who's been in team sports and things like that, your coach becomes one of your, like, closest 
friends almost. Just, just it's one like, of the girls. It's somewhat, well, and it's not necessarily that. It's like someone you can talk to outside of your parents because like mm-hmm. your parents might not be there at that moment, and you know, and it's it's good to know that you have another adult that you can look up to and talk to mm-hmm. about that stuff. Yeah, it's a it's pretty huge responsibility when you're coaching and you got to know where what you can say and what you can't say right. and how mm-hmm. to say it and. You know, every kid's different. The hardest part is learning who you're coaching. Like, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, if I didn't spend time with them and ask them tons of questions and get to know them, it's really hard to coach them, you know, because as a coach, you're just a guide. You're not really, you know, that you can tell them mechanics and all that, but you learn things together, which was pretty funny. Bud Keane, who is Sean White's coach, there's multiple Olympic medals under his belt as a coach. We were at a camp like a month ago, and he was there, and someone's like, oh, what's the, what was the first trick you taught Sean? And he's like, went to say, and he's like, hang on. No, well, actually, we learn tricks together. And I think that's, I was like, oh, that's such a cool thing to say, and never really thought about it like that. But you do, you, 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 teach, you learn tricks together with the athlete because sometimes you've never done that trick. Um, and then they learn, you learn about life together as well. Like, I think I'm going to be a good parent because I learned how to handle six-year-olds all the way through to 21-year-old guys and girls, you know, and how to deal with them and how to, you know, learn things together and not be a, you know, help them make decisions but not make them for them. So, yeah, it's kind of, that's... It's a cool part of it, and I don't think people get that side of it. Um, And some people can kind of abuse it a little bit and try to act like they know everything and have the key to everything. But I think when you're humble and just listen, that's you've coached most of them then. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm kind of curious, like, what you would have to say to, like, kids out there that might be interested in getting into this, like, might want to be coached. Like, that's their dream, to be a pro snowboarder. Like, what would you say to them? Um, if I was gonna, well, I say to all the kids, enjoy the sport first, and then all the rewards will come later. If you want to be the best in the world, then enjoy what you're doing and really do it as be passionate about it. Know every single thing about it. Watch every single edit. Know all about the equipment. Like, really be passionate, not about... The wanting to get an X Games gold or an Olympic medal, be passionate about the sport, and then all that stuff will come. And then, you know, it does help to have a coach to be a guide along the way, but if you can't afford it, you don't, you don't necessarily need it. Just be passionate about the sport and learn everything yourself. Don't expect a coach to give you everything all the time because you'll never learn, you'll just, and then you'll never have ownership and you won't get what you want. So, love the sport and everything good will happen after that. That's great advice. Yeah, great advice. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Thanks for joining us, Ben. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, If you want more information on Ben and some of the coaching programs that he runs at Mammoth Mountain, go to mammothmountain.com. Yeah, we're under the winter and then ski and ride tab and I'll just have ski and snowboard team. And all the info on the programs are there and contacts. Cool. Well, 
thanks for coming out. Cheers, and hope you have many powder days next winter. Yeah, thank you. yeah you too. <laughs> this is a beautiful place. I'm so glad you guys had me up here. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Anytime you're here, stop on by. <laughs> yeah, same thing. I extend the invite to Mammoth. Dan knows. <laughs> yeah. Come, yeah. come and hang out. We'd love to have you guys.